I want you on my team. And this is what it means for you to be on my team. We're going to go out there and kick ass. We're going to perform searches. The mindset. And so we set out the mindset. So that goes back to that manual. It starts with the mindset. Well, that manual is signed off by the, the head of the fire department, the fire chief himself. This is, this is not my work. This is our work. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance, Weekly Scrap, number 164. This is a fun uh, bio for me to read. Justin is a fireman that believes teaching, knowing, and learning to make decisions is how the work will get done. Forget the mass production textbooks, large-scale magazines that publish anything and everything, check boxes and acronyms. We are here to make decisions based on our experience, knowledge, and the conditions to get the best outcomes for our families we protect. To be professionals, we need to encourage a culture of questioning and critiquing, training, and fire ground performances. The deep discussions that break into why and make us uncomfortable is where we have growth. Man, and I'm going to tell you, on social media, he absolutely pushes for some of the best dialogue and does it in a respectful manner, which is an unusual combination, something the fire service can learn from. Justin McWilliams, it is my pleasure to have you on as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 164. Yeah, awesome, Corley. No, my pleasure. That is like a, a very different bio. I've never read a bio quite like that before. Oh, good. <laughs> anything you want to add? Anything I did leave out? No, you talk too much already. I have no idea. Fair enough. We're good. Audience, please get your questions primed and ready. It's going to get interesting. I really do believe that. A uh, few things to mention at the beginning. The Vigilantes. I'm very proud of the group. It is growing. It is exciting. If you want to be a part of it, go to firehousevigilance.com and join up. It is a private, exclusive group where we get together once a month and discuss things like podcasts and books, and it's exciting. Okay, so to the housekeeping, this episode is brought to you by Key Hose. Check them out on Facebook, The Hose Experts. Affordable Drill Towers. Firefighter owned and operated. The only thing you can't do in an affordable drill tower is live fire. Affordable drill tower. You can repel, stretch hose lines, go through the stairs, go through the floor, do window bailouts, cut holes in the roof props, use the apartment balconies, pump the FDC, flow water from the sprinkler system. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. And then, it's back. Can you search or rescue in that whole thing? I mean, there's a lot you can do with the. I'm just kidding, dude. I'm busting your balls. That you're already on your roll. Phoenix Firefighter Symposium, man, it's back. A two-day lecture-style symposium where Justin will be speaking in February. Some of the best speakers from around the country that will help firefighters, officers, and chiefs to sharpen their skills and expand their knowledge. The symposium will focus on leadership, culture, training, fire attack, search to help search. I said search in there this time. To help attendees sharpen their skill set on giving the best possible service to Mrs. Smith, check out phoenixfirefightersymposium.com to register. Seating is extremely limited, and the hotel rooms have already started to fill up, so don't waste any time. Get in there if you want to see them in Phoenix this February. And finally, you can see them down below, FD Rover, firefighter-based apparel company. Check them out at fdrover.com. Use the code SCRAP, and you can get 40% off at checkout. So there we go. All of that's out of the way. The bio... The, the boring stuff, the sponsors that make everything happen, and now we get to Justin and a topic we're all kind of excited about. Let me see what people are saying. I've got Justin Lorenzen said, the flannel, yes. 
<laughs> I will not teach any other way. Jeffrey Bryant Jr. said, "GD, he's handsome." I don't. I kind of. I don't know, Jeffrey. We're, we'll discuss. He he's obviously talking about me. Yeah, obviously. Steve said. Steve Kaiser said, "Really interested in this one. Let's go the wild card." Uh, John Mintz said, "I've been waiting on this one since I watched Search Culture. Let's get it. The flannel. Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah there's some negative stuff. Let's start getting them to give me some questions. Let's roll on this. I don't get the questions coming. Hey, let's let's uh, let's throw out a soft toss. Let me pull pull it up the notes. Uh, right here. The first. What I I always ask my guests. Hey, what would you like to talk about?" And they always send a pretty detailed list. And the great thing about Justin's is number one on the list he sent back was one word. And it was search. So it's a pretty broad uh, thing. But that's the first thing I'll open up with. Which way you want to go with it? Oh, man. Well, as you can see, like, that's just the header for all my little bullet points down below, man. So, um, shit, realistically, um, ooh, Doug, let's, uh, let's start with the UL study. Right on. I think, uh, I think that's something that hasn't really been touched on. Um, I was a part of the UL study uh, for the rescue and search, size up, HVAC system. Um, the shitty part is, is like the whole COVID thing happened, so we only got to meet once. And so after that, it was all about Zoom meetings, and I wasn't able to fly out after that, and I didn't make all the Zoom meetings, um, which sucks. So, <clears throat> but... What were the key points? What were the takeaways? This is one of the biggest deals. Like when we start looking at, and I dive into that that study, is that um, I was able to influence on something. We all were, right? We all had sure. some influence on what we wanted. Well, obviously, like <clears throat> I push, um, I push uh, window searches versus you know BES, BIS, OV, whatever it is. So like, and there's reasonings behind that. So with you know talking with them with the UL study is that um, if we called one a window search or one a DES that's going through a window without isolating, and then one's VIS with going through a window with isolating, um, I'm really thinking like we're gonna we're gonna create this um, this divide because if there's different data, it's like no, you search you didn't do, you wouldn't do that through a door. You don't go door. IS or where the hell it's called, like you just, it's, it's making searches. So we started there. Uh, so that's just one of the little plugs. And then um, obviously going beyond the door was one of my things that I wanted to get done. It was like, that's what my department does. Um, but what, what came out of that study? Cause it's a, it's a bitch to read. Like all these guys are big head, smart numbers. No, even the summary was, was, uh, yeah. Yes. Difficult. Yes. Difficult. Yes. So it was dense. Out, Good, don't good think data. That, like, go ahead. Yeah, good, yeah. Just because I was on the uh, on the panel doesn't mean that I'm I'm knowledgeable about the shit, dude. I have to try to regurgitate it and figure it out and read through. So like, I reach out to the guys, you know, like Eric Wheaton and and Tommy Hoffland and Lynch, and I'm like, all right, what do we got? Pretty much, it comes down to that everything that we actually believed before, it's just like in our experience, is it's back it up, right? So like, these are the things. This is just going to be a bullet point. Open doors after water's on the fire. We, tier, we teach to go in and isolate and search, right? So, which yes. makes sense. So when we're hitting hot and down the hallway, we isolate, take out, the, take out the window, help it ventilate, search, and then our way out, if water's on the fire, we should be keeping that door open. Yes. If it's not, shut the door. So one thing that we have to bring back to our departments from this is that once we go out, shut those doors, 
is that once water's on the fire, get those doors open. Bust those, get all those doors open and get this air moving for these people that we possibly could have missed. Right. Um, it obviously reiterates isolating, venting. That's not a big deal. Everybody does that because they do the VES or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it really shows uh, there's no such thing as survivability of profiling. We see the videos. You'd have to look up the videos. Then you go in and you're like, well, this area is survivable. You can't see shit. Right. Um, man, there's, there's, there's plenty of cases out there. So it's searchable <clears throat> space. If you can occupy it and do it. Um, entering a door or a window, it's just starting a search. We just need to target those areas. But uh, what the fire service has definitely done is that they think search is very linear. Uh, we put it in this box, is that you typically go through a door. It's been a huge push to go through a window. And, you know, we'll go through, you know, I'll go through slides and literally just take one window and I'll replace it with the door. And I'll be like, okay, now you'll be able to go through this fucking area? Like, I'm, are you kidding me? Like, it's the same area, same conditions, but because it's a door versus a window, it changes your world. <coughs> I think you need to really look at the uh, how linear we are. Right. Um just because of the way we we make in, uh, we in, enter into the building, and then the other thing would be, uh, which I think is actually one of the most drastic pieces out of this whole gig is um, rescuing a victim at one foot versus three foot. Yes. So yes. three foot, you're talking about couches and beds, but also if we're starting to do like bear hugs and cradles and getting their head up, um, taking that drag, even though it's three times, it takes you three times as long if you keep them at one foot it's as equal or better than a keeping their head at three foot. That's if they're breathing and shit. I mean, it right. obviously depends on conditions, right? So that's something that we really need to take back. So but it's something we need to lock in. We need to lock in and beat that drum. Yeah, and so what are you going to do about it, though? Like, right. let's take this information, this one piece of information. How does that change our world? What are you going to do? I mean, so, like, one of the things that's going to come out is, like, there's going to be smoky, fucking salty firemen that are going to be saying, oh, dude, you just grab and go. You always grab and go. You're not going to think. Yes, this is true. Most, I think most firemen are going to grab and go. They're not going to be able to think. It's their first grab they've ever made. Right. But that's okay. But the thing is, is that they have to learn something somewhere, and that's in the academy. And so what we started is that we, our manual for our search, we update twice a year. It's a bitch. But our department does it for us, and so they support it. They have some IT people. And so we literally got rid of all drags that keep their head up. We're oh, like, really? so we're only teaching a couple of them. They're all uh, the the one head first is you know like the arm bar and stuff. But like we still have head first and feet first. Is just we, we keep the heads on the ground as much as we can. Right. Um, but focusing like, on you know, that's not our so option. is the is the approach to basically almost like attrition. You start when they come into the academy and start changing the whole culture. So over time, they don't even learn the ones that that, that lift them up into the three feet four foot environment. Yeah, is that uh, kind of the approach to it? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, okay, I mean, no, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you teach a kid to wipe its ass that you know at three years old, like one way. You go front to back or back to front. There, I mean, there's a way. If you're a girl, you teach them one way, and there's a reason, and they they don't they don't forget that because that's the way. So when they're in dire straits, you know, they have a bad hot dog or Taco Bell, they're in an emergency situation. They still go from front to back, just like this. They're going back to like their training, and that's all they know. We're not teaching them all the rest of the stuff. Now, you know what? In five years, I might be wrong. That's okay. If I'm wrong in five years, I'm trying to put out the best information. I think most people do. 
But that's why you readjust it twice a year on your search manual, right? Yeah. I get oh, a lot of beautiful. feedback, believe me. I get a lot of people busting my balls. Um, are you uh, ready? What's up? Go ahead. No, I said, are you ready for your first question to come at you? Oh, yeah, From sure. the audience. BJ Breacher wants to know, Justin, your thoughts on searching off the line? Uh, dude, I don't believe in searching on the line. So, um, man, dude, what, my department does not search on the line. So if you are fire tech, I, I don't even know where to take this. So you're going to have to break it down for me because, like, they have this, uh, they have blue card, which I know very little about. So I don't want to, I, I can't even talk about blue card. I've just heard that it's, uh, they assign fire attack and search, but I don't know. So I can't go in that deep. But if you're talking specifically with assigned search <coughs> and that they need a line on the floor that they're working and or they need a line wherever they're going, um, tell me why. I guess you'd have to first start with why. And most likely it's because it's dangerous. That's what that people is, are going to tell me. Safety, safety, right. All right. So what are we safety from? So it's fear. So so. Give me Siri, Corley. Uh, give me like what? Do, what do they fear? What do they think we're going to die from? Is it falling through the floor? That's why we need the line. Is it the smoke? Is it the fire? What is it? No, no, it's some sort of flashover event, or like you said, falling through the floor. It falls on us. I mean, those are the three big injury. Uh, 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 I guess the big fear is the flashover event. Is that just a lack of fire behavior knowledge? Okay, so let's start there. Okay, okay so if you're searching, in, and, and there's two different scenarios, you're either searching ahead of the line, and there's no line on scene. Which I work in a dry house. <laughs> Uh, I have work on a heavy rescue, dude. We don't have a pump, and we go inside without an inch company. We have a we're a single company in our our house, so that's what we do. So we go piss cans. But um, if you're searching in front like we would, then the number one thing before you go inside is what? It's to locate the fire. The most dangerous time we could be inside of a structure is when we don't under, don't know where the fire is located. That tells you the size, location, where the line's getting stretched, how much, what kind of water we need to put on it, right? Um, so if we're searching behind the line and uh, we're dragging a hose, dude, we have, I mean, to me, you got to break it down, is that we have fire, we have firemen and a hose throwing water <coughs> here, but you can't be here across the building searching where there's just smoke but you, these two firefighters can be here right next to the fire. Let's just start there. No, I'm, I mean, dude, I'm the choir at this point. I'm, I'm just going to shake my head at you as you, as you preach because well, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, and and if you listen to the radio, this is something that I'm, uh, I'm really actually come starting to come down with my house on is like, firemen and drivers need to listen to fucking radio. You got to turn it up. There's no more squelch. So our department got rid of squelch. Sure, we're having some Bluetooth things going on, but like, turn up your radio. When I call you, I need you. So let me play devil's advocate of the safety officer, uh, safety concerned fire chief who's like, but if there's black, just thick, chuggy smoke coming out the front door and you roll up in your squad, are you uh-huh. bailing off into that? You know what I'm saying? And and what what is your go, no-go decision-making? How do you translate that? Especially when you say, like, we got young guys we're hiring on here who don't know what they're go- getting there. You know, what's your response? I want to hear it. I don't. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, dude. Anybody that does a go, no-go, I'm not going to say anybody. I'm not going to do a no-go situation on a video or especially a, a, a picture on the interwebs. Sure. No fucking way. It's a discussion. It's a feeling. you got your experience. you got the gut. I mean, to me, dude, there's I cannot, I cannot teach somebody a go, no-go. I can tell you 
some moderate things like Jerry Smith will say, like, if you look in the window and you can see the floor, that's a go. No, I, I, I don't. I remember who was. I think it was out of Atlanta, maybe Cobb County. But he said, "What's what's your go? No go on on a VES." And he said, "Basically, can you isolate the door before it's going to flash?" And that's your go, no go. You know, and he, he he's 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 talking rule of thumb. You know, yeah. and so uh, if you can get to the door, then go and go clear that room, and then go from there as far as the conditions and the hallway outside, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, next question coming at you. Matt Burke said, how would you go about convincing the decision makers in a department that searching without a hose line is completely doable? I'm sure you've heard some version of this question a thousand times. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm going to guess you're not going to pro- – you're going to probably sw- – we're talking about searching without and not in front of. So um, I really got to think that uh, when we're talking to people, we need to understand um, – where they're coming from and their intent. And most of them, it's going to be, if they're telling you no, it's going to be like, you can't get on a roof. Like, you know, it's lightweight construction or you can't search without a hose line. Um, you got to understand their why. You got to understand what their intent is and what they're, what, what's going on first. So if it's, um, if it's because they think the hose line is uh, going to help them go out. And so it's like a, it's like an anchor. Um, then we need to get a hold of them and talk to them about, we're not talking about warehouses and industrial parks. We're talking about single family, multifamily dwellings. And 1,400, then, 1,400 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, I can, you know, on up to whatever feet, I don't even care almost, but like, then go, uh, go to fire X talk. I got a couple of videos and I don't, I mean, we can go into it, but that's a whole other episode of like true orientation is sizing up a structure right now like if i told you a school and this is just like you guys got to be able to do it like right now without looking at a building it's like hey you get tapped out to the school and it's like okay well uh what are you expecting okay it's uh we're going to a high school okay there's gonna be a gymnasium right right so there's a gymnasium where we it's of one story and then there's an area in that in that structure that is raised up higher than the rest of the school and it probably has uh windows on the sides up high it's probably the gymnasium that's what location is and so when we get to that area, we know the floor, and the floor is like that slick shit or whatever. But sure. we know that that thing's a basketball size. It's a bas- basketball um, court. <clears throat> or if we go to a 1,400-square-foot house, we know that, like, we look up these windows. You look at the vents. You can look at the door. Um, there's a million things we can look at that will tell us where the rooms are, typically. Uh, but, like, a bedroom – in a four, anywhere between an 800 square, or not an 800, let's say a thousand square foot home up to, well, mine's 3,600 square feet, 10 by 10 rooms, right. except with the master, typically. So maybe a 10 by 12 and your master's like a 16 by 12 or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But nothing, nothing ginormous, nothing that one, you know, one firefighter can't handle. Sure. So um, if we're attacking it that way, then we need to get true orientation and let them go through that kind of class of like, hey, this is what we're looking at. But because like, hey, chief, I got an egress right here. I don't plan on going out this out this uh, hose line. I, I'm going into a bedroom and they have an egress within, well, most likely five feet of me. And I'm already isolating this door and venting it. So our visual visibility is going better. So if, it, if so it's an orientation and it's trying to get out on the anchor, then we need to... Um, we need to talk about true orientation and what we're really doing. And look disconnecting, at disconnecting from it's not a it's not a tagline. Yeah, so I think um, from 2000 and you'd have to get a hold of me for these real stats, but uh, they're my presentation. But like, I think from 2008 to today, I think uh, two line of duty deaths, 
during search in residential structure that were disoriented. One of them uh, was because they didn't do a proper size up. And I don't, I'm not saying that they screwed up. I don't know. Right. But it was in a duplex, and they thought it was a single-family dwelling. So that's, that's just one piece. Sure. And then uh, another piece would be, like we kind of talked about earlier, is the fear of going off the, the hose line. Is it, is it really going to flash over on us that's on the other – like the fires on the other side of the hose line with the firefighters attacking it? And we're listening to it and going, hey – Oh, yeah, we're getting knocked down. Okay. We're getting, like, some steam conversion on our mask. Uh, if they say, hey, we need a second line for fire attack, or, you know, or something like that, then that's going to heighten my awareness. And I'm going to come out in the hall and peek down and be like, what do they got? And I might even go to work. <coughs> so, like, that communication, that listening piece. But very rarely, I don't even, I can't, I don't, I'm not that smart, so I wouldn't know. I'd have to look it up. But, like, how would those search guys die from fire on the other side of the hose line from fire attack. I don't know of any necessarily, but I haven't really been specifically. I don't argue that sure. with my department, so I don't. No, no, no. I was wondering. And you, you made a very good point about uh, searching ahead of a hose line versus searching just completely without a hose line. And there is a difference, man. And that, and, and you have to take that into account when you're making the argument. Uh, my, more stuff coming at you. You let me know. You take these questions whichever direction you want, but they are coming in fast and furious is all I can tell you. Uh, Michael Perez says, can you explain why these fools writing Fire One books still teach searching like ducks in a row, holding a guy's boot, and swinging their pickhead axe to sweep a room? Man. Money. Uh, Money. I mean, um, why else would you? Like, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess, like, um, there's a lot of ego involved in the fire service as well. I mean, I have an ego. I fight it every day. Um, that's one of the great things about, you know, like shit like this, call me out on stuff. Um, my fire chief now, uh, he was a fireman, uh, in truck 15 with me when he's brand new and he came in and, uh, he's the one that taught me like how to check your ego and that we always need to look into that. And, uh, <clears throat> I've appreciated it. Cause like he explained it to me. So like, and I didn't trust him. I told him that I'm like, I don't really like you and I don't trust you. And because it was something abnormal for my for for some some years ago, okay, uh, for people to be so like genuine, like just truly genuine, and so um, you know, I think the ego, I think there's money involved. These textbooks, they're hard to change. I think a couple guys are. Uh, I think Blue Collar is changing one of them, one of the textbooks for their heavy lifting and rigging stuff. Awesome. Uh, I've tried to do it, but like, here's the deal: it's like. The, the editor-in-chief or somebody called me or something. But that's only because I gave them shit and we got some traction on it with some people, right? And then um, they didn't follow up. Uh, they followed up once or something and then nothing happened. I'm not here to try to help make them make money. I'm not go- I'm not personally, like, I'm not submitting my shit to anybody that's making money on me. Um, I'm not making much money on me. Like, right. Cody and I and Brian, like, all the brothers in Battleship, we're not making money. They aren't definitely going to make money. We don't We don't go to these big conferences that they're making tons of money on us. We're not going to do that. Uh, we don't submit to big magazines. Um, and I, the reason I don't submit to big magazines is more of that, what audience do you want to hit? Because Fire Nuggets were my only, like I've only submitted one. Let's get real. I submitted to Fire Nuggets and it was about search size up. It's just that I believe in Sprague. I believe in the product. I believe 
the people that are reaching out for that um, are got what they're going to take away from it. And I believe in it was free, right? And they didn't want to own my product. They didn't tell me that I couldn't take it anywhere else. And so uh, that goes back to the same textbooks and shit is that they don't change it because they're making the same amount of fucking money, man. Right. Like, it's more work. You know how much work I have into our 50-page, like, search manual? Or it's not a manual. It's part of the manual. It's a chapter. Like, it takes a lot of, like, why do I need to change? Um, and I'm not getting, I wouldn't get headshots if I stayed to the duck walk. So. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Tony Nunez asked earlier, I meant to ask you this. He asked if that shirt was available on the website. The Dude, sweet this red shirt, flannel. This shirt right here is, uh, is I don't even know where I got it from. Um, I I wore it. Is this is this Facebook Live or something? I don't even know. Oh, yeah. You're live. Is that what it's called? So the yes. first time I ever, this is the only ever time I've ever done Facebook Live. Well, thank the you. The time was my first time. And I, was, I wear the same, this is, this is my uniform when I teach, when I talk. Uh, this is my uniform. Uh, after the first time, I got put off on leave for a month. Uh, I almost got fired. There's a different administration I have now. Um, I got put in the hospital a few times. Um, it was a rough time in my life. So uh, I won't I won't ever change the uniform for anybody. But no, I don't think you can get this anymore, buddy. Fair enough. There you go. There's your answer. All right. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Matthew Altamiriano says, small department. With limited personnel, search tips. What's limited? Everybody says limited, dude. Anybody between, like, if you don't have eight on a truck, is that limited? Is three on a truck? Three very subjective. Very, very absolutely. Very subjective. So I, I got to know, like, what does that mean? I'll like, see if he. I'll know. see if he. If he gives clarification, I'll come back to the question. Uh, Jordan McKenzie says thoughts on victim removal by window versus door. <clears throat> Man, uh, so realistically, we got to think about. I mean, we can take this subject for years or days and stuff, but like some window versus door. Are we on floor one? Are we in the basement? Are we on floor two? Are we on floor three or are we aerial? Like aerials suck, but if we get them out and they're breathing, awesome. But if we have more to make rescues, we have a, a public hallway. We're going to tie up that aerial. Um, if they're if they're unconscious, that's one thing. If you got a, a TDA and you open the belly and you guys set up to do a tip lower to the ground and like that's your thing, that's going to be a quicker than if you're extended 70, 80, 90, 100 feet and a conscious victim is trying to walk down an aerial. Then you have like, <laughs> then you got an aerial that's at like a 70 with a conscious victim versus let's say what, a 60, a right. 50, right? That's going to take them a lot longer. So if you're extended at 100 foot at 50 degrees on an aerial, I mean, our go-to in our manual is that we throw the tip on the ground. But maybe you, your guys' department doesn't do that. Maybe you can't do that. I don't right. know. So there's one. Two is that we start going down from the aerial um, ground ladder work. So I'm kind of working my way from outside in of um, – there's a lot of things to do with the window versus a door besides just the window and the door. Right. You got the aerial, you got ground ladders, then you got the ground, and then you got subground from the outside. So once you go to the ground ladders on the outside, do you have people to throw them? Are they already thrown? Do you, are, do you have good communication? Are you taking them out the Charlie side? Is there ladders on the Charlie side? How long is it going to take them to get them to the Charlie side? How much time is it going to take you to get to the air to IC and then IC to relate that information. How big is this building? Is this, is this thing just a single family residence? Is it a multifamily, which takes more time to get around to the backside? 
um, realistically, if I want one, we want two ladders. And how much more time is that going to take? Uh, do we have the personnel? I mean, dude, there's a there's a hundred there's a hundred things going on there. Right. Then you go to ground floor. Bars on the windows. Um, is it a high window? Can we do a window conversion? We have we have saws with us already. Um, shit, do we know how to do a proper window conversion without getting a bunch of stuff sucked into our saw? And like I've seen guys that say they've known how to do it, and they've been they they suck it in within twenty seconds, and there goes a saw. Right. Um, and then you got subgrade, which obviously brings its own problems, right, on the outside. Sure, sure, sure. So if we talk about the inside window versus <laughs> door, again, holy shit! Like, dude, we you got to give me a specific scenario because everybody's going to tell you it uh, conditions dictate or it depends. I I, I hate those statements. Um, when I do the search culture shit, I'd rather have you make up a scenario and state it. This decision is based on because the conditions are this, and this is what's going on. Instead of saying conditions depend and dictates and it's like, no that's answer, not answer. Make yeah. me a decision, make a decision, and go with it, and tell me. And then I'm like, oh yeah, perfect. Then we have a discussion to have. But if we we go off of this whole depends thing, then we're gonna have problems. No, that's so, fair. Uh, Single family residence, you um, uh, let's just call it a second story. You find them in a bedroom. Are we going to go out the window? Are we going to go out on the, 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 the stairs? Well, what's fire? Do you know fire location? Do you know it? What's the progress of the fire? Are we going to pass the fire? Is the patient conscious or not? Because if the conditions are, let's say it's smoky, but they're like, uh, it's not conscious, but not breathing. If they're not breathing, they're not going to suck in the gas but they're still going to get heat. Um, so if we take them back through this shit, I, you know, what are they going to get? How much burning debris is on that ground? And yes, I do think about this shit because I have, um, I have damaged some of our, uh, our public by dragging through burning material. Um, uh, dude, I will tell you, I think about the size of the victim, um, 250 pound patient, naked, wet, 200 pound patient naked wet is a lot different than 150 a hell of a lot different than anything 100 below um what's in front of the window is it a bathtub a uh, bathtub as you know in an ems run how the hell do you get them out of a bathtub like it's a bitch oh yeah you you're doing fire gear and oh they're only 150 200 pounds and like oh you know like it's all good, but yet in an EMS run without gear and you haven't thrown a ladder, you haven't ran the fire, you haven't masked up, you haven't performed searches, you, you haven't forced doors, you're not that tired, you're not that worn out, you're not that stressed, yet it takes you guys forever to get right. a victim out of a uh, bathtub. How high is the window? Is it, a, is it a living room window, which could be like a 12-inch window from the floor? Is it a 36-inch window from the floor? How wide is the window? Is it a 20-inch? So typically bedrooms are 20-inch wide per in my area uh, per code. They have to be at least 20-inch opening. But so it's a 20-inch opening. We've got a 24-inch beast. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm telling you, um, this is a huge discussion that you want. Like, I need very no, specific. obviously, manner. obviously. Um, so, but I'll it's a great discussion you should have with your crew and sit there. Absolutely, have, yes, absolutely. This shit should be written down. So, how wide is that window? Can we make a window conversion? If we're going to do a window conversion, like I said, uh, if it's on floor two versus floor one, and if it's on floor two, can we go two ladders, split, split, and then roll them in? If we're on floor one, it's going to go a lot quicker, obviously. Right. Um, if we don't have that option, then we don't. <laughs> if it's, what if it's 
what if it's a masonry structure? That ain't going to happen. Um, what's the window? Like if the window's skinny and it's, uh, the frame is metal, no big deal. We're going to hit the middle of the sash. We're going to bust it out, and, you know, if that's um, stopping us. Wood's going to come out with the, um, with the glass. But if we go vinyl, ah, oh, dude, if you haven't done a vinyl one, then you need to go look on like Craigslist and get them. Or not Craigslist. I'm not. Uh, sorry, I'm 40, 41 now. <laughs> you can use Craigslist or the nickel ads. So go to uh, the Book of Faces and <laughs> go on there and find some free shit and like bust some of those vinyls and figure out how you guys want to take them apart. I'm not going to go over that right now. I mean, that's a whole other discussion of going through like that kind of thing. But like, it takes some time. It takes some yeah. effort. Um, it's a different animal. Shit, man. Can you isolate the room? So let's go back inside, right? So your decision-making, uh, where's your EMS help? Is it on the outside, on the Charlie, or is it all on the, on the outside, on the Alpha? So if the window you're talking about is on the Charlie or the Delta, is there debris burning back there? Is there order conditions back there? Is there fences you don't know about that you're going to have to get around? Is it a winter, so it's muddy back there, so like they can't get the gurney back there? And we've got to carry them out. So now we're delaying care. Um, if we go down, are we going upstairs or downstairs? You go upstairs, holy shit. You better have a plan. Like, um, Tommy Hoffman, like, um, um, up in Seattle, his grab, like, a year or two ago, he grabs him. Uh, he's got a shirt on. He's on a split entry. He's on the, you know, so it's only half, half levels. Goes in, grabs the shirt, and then the guy falls on him and pins him down. And so, like, he's bringing them up. So that's a huge, that's a big decision to make. It's like, okay, going up, how are you going to grab them? Um, can you isolate the room? How long are you going to isolate for? Have you searched the rest of that floor already? Because if you haven't, and it's going to take a while, and you're going to try to protect in place, and um, you own that victim until they get out, if they're, are they conscious or unconscious? So if they're conscious, go hang out by the window, I might go perform a search and search the rest of that floor while they're throwing a ladder. And, uh, but keep my eye on where the fire is. Sure. Like I'm not going to obviously leave the room and all of a sudden fire takes over that room somehow. We're going to figure that shit out. But, um, man, I mean, you're, you're you just unpacked. Cool. You unpack so much, which all comes back to, it really comes back to preparation training mindset. Yes, uh, absolutely. You didn't fail. No, failures. Never forget the failures. Uh, Every single one of these has to do with failures. I've, I've failed many a times uh, on the fire ground. I have rarely failed on the training ground compared to the fire ground. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. The, the consequences. Same. No, I love it, man. Uh, coming at you from Kyle. <coughs> pardon me. From Kyle Romagus, uh, Mr. Smoothbore Cartel. He says, Justin, the Clackamas search manual, in my opinion, is one of, if not, the best compilation of techniques and mindset in relation to search and rescue. Can you tell us about the process of constructing it and how it came to be? Um, so our department's always had a truck manual. And, um, I mean, I can't say always. Right. We, we, years ago, but we've had it for we've had a it long for time. 30 years or something. Um, new generation comes in, I don't know, 15 years ago or something of the sort. I can't even remember. And they want to, they want to update the, the truck manual. And so um, people in our areas and our companies get assigned that, um, get assigned chapters. And for the search man, or search chapter itself, um, 
naturally just because I love search and I've already started writing our policies by then for our department is, um, is that I took it over um, and then we have a search cadre, but a lot of that information as you read through it, right? So like the, the layout of that is because of Cody Trestrell and Brothers of Battle. It goes mindset, and this is exactly how our, our academy goes as well. We go in there and go mindset. So I didn't realize, this is interesting, Kyle, here, is that I just had a conversation with a, uh, a higher-ranking individual, and one of the things that I did not realize, I purposely did it, but I didn't completely realize, is that I, I am one of the biggest controllers of the culture of our department. Not just myself, but the cadre of search. And this is why, is that they come in on the first day they do paperwork. The second day, I have to have them have to do one day of forcible entry and at least one day's ladders before they get to search. So they pretty much do paperwork, ladders, forcible entry, mask up, and then they get a week with, with the search cadre. The search cadre, the first morning, starts with four hours of me talking just like this. And we do face-to-face battles. And we go out, and I tell those guys, I'm like, I want you on my team. And this is what it means for you to be on my team. We're going to go out there and kick ass. We're going to perform searches. The mindset. And so we set out the mindset. So that goes back to that manual. It starts with the mindset. Well, that manual is signed off by the, the head of the fire department, the fire chief himself. This is, this is not my work. This is our work. And then it goes into rescue. And I can't remember if we switch it up now or not, but it definitely in the, when we teach, do we go rescue? Because if you can't rescue, why are you searching? So we go into that rescue. So anyways, so the setup is there, and then it goes into search, and then it has a search size up. So kind of how it kind of about is just like we wanted to revamp it. We had some young guys that, that had energy for it. Um, in, two, in October 2014, the heavy rescue was, um, was born for Clackamas Fire. And uh, we all came from the trucks, and then um, we had we didn't really have any guidance in um, of what we were supposed to do on fires. And then uh, we finally molded into we were going to perform searches as bad as do we would have these long we go to all fires, we would have these long runs, and uh, they would stall the search to wait for us, so we can get the searches. Um, now that's changed long, you know, years ago. Sure, you, it, it it's awesome now. The searches happen all the time. So we just started learning more about search, and then we started making great grabs, and we were having awesome, awesome successes. And then where we were having more fatalities in our department up until 2014, our department will probably never get rid of the heavy rescue. Um, and that I mean that's from our office chief and our fire chief is like they understand like they believe in that rig. Is it? We still have fatalities. We just had one the other day, but our fatalities dropped around that era. And I'm not saying it's exactly just because of us making making grabs. But it was a contributing factor. But there is contributing factors to it because what it also did is that we had uh, people that were next to, so Station 5 and Station 1 are next to each other. Well, the competition rose, and we were trying to beat them to their fires. And so we're getting out in, like, you know, whatever, seconds, and we're just, you know, you know that Phoenix Fire, um, that Phoenix Fire video that they're in the the Twilight Zone. 
Yeah, with, with the uh, the whole yeah yeah, but I know what you're talking about exactly. Dogs in the back. The yeah. Dogs, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was us. And I'm not shitting you, dude. My driver would take off without the guy, the officer in the seat, if they're they're a they're a outsider. They're like like let's go, we're leaving, and then we would just be in the back, just beating each other. Yep, we're rolling in like so. Like we had the competition, trying to beat them in. Well, then engine one was like, no, nope, that ain't happening. And so like. Theirs went, their, their times went down, and then engine two because they're next to them. And I'm not saying it all started from uh, from the the rescue, but it's kind of like we had this time we had the um, the smoothbore thing st- still going on. We had other companies doing that shit and the hose, and so like we already had topside vent culture shit going on. So like we had so many things going on at the same time. Anyways, go back to the, like Kyle saying is that um, I had a lot of pride in the search. Um, brothers in battle, like just just hooking up with like Pressler and just suck, you know, just sucking his mind dry and Lombardo, yeah, and hanging out with all these guys and then trying to you know do all this research and then also the search culture is that like the thing is there's not a lot of shit out there on search that I could find that was worth a shit and that's why I started search culture. It's not because I had information to give; it's because I had information that I wanted. Right. And then I wanted to try to start it as a conversation piece, but what happened was is that not a lot of people had things to talk about. So I would just go to fires and then I'd fuck up on a search and then I'd talk about it. And like, here's some learned lessons this is what we should be doing. And then people would love that shit. And then it started growing. And then I realized that I'm like, okay, this is not a, I'm not getting I'm, I am getting something out of it, but I'm only, I'm not getting it more than I'm, I'm starting to give. Right. So that created discussion. And then that kind of stuff kind of led into um, you know, put us into that that book, and then we started the firefighter rescue survey and started giving us some data that backs some shit up. Right and on. We got the UL the UL shit that started coming out. You know, and then you know you're still talking about like the social media started, and then um, you know social media hasn't been out that long. I mean, I don't know, whatever, 2010, and then also um, all the cadres teaching, and then we were starting to share information as well. Sure. Um, and so let's, I mean, we have right now, I think we've sourced at least 22 people just in that chapter or, or books and stuff, um, just for that chapter. So we wrote it out. I, I read it probably no less than, I'm not kidding you, probably 50 to hundred times, 50 pages. Believe me. Um, and then I'd pass it to other guys, have them read it. What do they think? We'd go back and forth on some stuff and then they just implement it. And now, um, we just update it twice a year as in like the like UL study come out with the one foot versus for one foot versus three feet. I'm like, well, you know what? If we can get these new guys to keep the head lower and right. focus on that, if they can, if they can, um, and not delay the delay the rescue, then let's do it. Yeah. No. Does so, that answer your question, Kyle? I believe so. He's got another one coming at you. <clears throat> I like it. Justin, were you happy with how the UL search study was researched, compiled and distributed? If you could change anything about the process after the fact, you know, hindsight, what would it be? Man, um, hold on. No disparaging. I'm just saying. No, no, dude, oh, dude I got that the whole back. Um, so the process itself, I couldn't, we couldn't control, they couldn't control the whole COVID shit, I guess. Um, realistically, I think I would have delayed that. Like, just looking back, because um, just to really tear into that kind of numbers and stuff like that, like, I think it's really hard for an, uh, a simple human being to to be able to register all the information. And then also, like, 
for when it got put out and to the general public, people think that I'm um, like a, like a expert on it, and I'm not. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Like I don't know enough about it. Like I reach out to the other guys, going, "Hey, what did you guys take away from it? I only got this shit. Like this is the list that I got. I can't right. read everything else." And I'm looking at this, and I'm like. This is big, big shit, big over my head. So I, I wish we can go back there so that we could really break it down and look at these graphs that they have, you know, they have black, red, <clears throat> yellow, green, but then a hundred different lines and they have like, there's thousands of scenarios that like, you know, which we pick, we pick the 20, 22 scenarios or whatever it is and they're very specific, but um, it's really hard for them like for them, they don't understand what we actually want either. So I think if we had the face to face, it would have been a lot better. So there's that. I mean, that's that piece there, Kyle. Um, and then also, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I wish, you know, I want to continue on it. I want a two story house because I think that one thing we're we're talking about right now is the argument of or discussion. We'll call it the discussion of target searching. And if there's a fire on floor one, two story single family residence. You're ahead of the hose line. Fire's not low. Or let's just say the fire's on, on floor one. Um, your two-person crew going to search. Where are you going? You going to the fire, like the textbooks say? Or are you going upstairs, like like uh, where the bedrooms are, where the right. smoke is going? Right. Like, Especially so, in the middle of the night. Right, yeah. What? Fuck. I, during the middle of the day, bro. 20, yeah, that's true. Now, nowadays, we, yeah. 24 hours a day. So we were just Brian Olson and I were just in Honolulu in the middle of class. He just he just like looks up the statistics of people working at home. Fifty percent of um, what, I mean, private business workers now work from home in in, in on Honolulu. Wow! It's like holy shit. So like you, so you're thinking about that, and you look at the stats from the firefighter rescue survey, which we have like three thousand rescues now and documented. Yes. Is that if, when we break it down by three three hour increments, like midnight to three a.m., three a.m. to six a.m. And a lot of that's just because like it's just too much for people to take in by going hour by hour. No, sure, twenty four twenty four cycles is way yeah. It's a lot. Yes. But, so we just need an idea, right? Because <clears throat> we need a mindset. It's not about oh fuck, it's two thirty. Shit, what two thirty say, boys? I know yeah. what three said, but I don't know what fucking two thirty said. Right. So. um you go in there and twenty four. Out of, if you broke them down in those three hour increments, one hundred percent of the time, the bedrooms are by far the the highest occupied rooms. Like they're around forty four percent average, so they're all actually within about forty four. Um, the hallway is the, I think between midnight and three a.m. The hallway is the second highest occupied for rescues, and I think it's at like we'll call it around fifteen percent. Every other time zone. The second is the family room. Wow. So, what the fuck were we talking about? No. Yeah, I think we started with, were you happy with the, uh, the, the oh. UL? The UL. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, where yeah. we started. We went down a rabbit hole, but yeah, oh, we started there. Shit, dude. Yeah, I can't even breathe down here. I can't even, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, like, um, I just really, I just really wish that, like, I love that we're doing studies. I, I think that's great. Um, we, oh, we were talking about the two-story houses. But I think that we really need to spend time and effort into how we get that information out to the people. Right. I think you all already figured out, like, a few years ago, like, don't rush it. Got their PB slapped a little bit of some, some information that came out. Uh, this was a little bit different because just because um, 
you know, well, it aligned with everything that we already believe. It's just more of uh, it's just really hard to break down. Besides, like those couple things I hit in the very beginning. Well, especially if, like, well, combining it with the firefighter rescue survey and how much how much data we're bringing back on victim location and and actual measuring the metrics that matter, man. That you you start combining the two, you really start getting some power. Oh, absolutely. Well, an experience. Let's go back to that shit, dude. Our egos are fucking huge. There's no doubt. Not that I, I, not that I know, not that I know, but there could be. I don't think there's any fireman that's living today that has enough rescues under their belt that can produce data. Like, right. like it's experience, and it, I think we should listen to that <coughs> drastically because we, dude. I see it on the, I see it on the book of faces all the time, and I'm like, oh my god, dude. Okay, how am I going to light you up without kicking your ass? Like, I'm like. Yep, that sounds good in theory, but I've done that multiple times and I've failed. Um, so it's good for having that data that backs up what our experience is saying. Because if it didn't, imagine if that firefighter rescue survey freaking went against what we were already what, what people felt we were experiencing. Holy shit, dude! I don't even know what you. I don't even know. No, it's uh, yeah, it's a good thought exercise, but I'm glad it does not. No, hundred percent. Hey, and, and, and one thing I will say about this is I, I hope you will give a class someday on how to have a good discourse on social media. Because you you really, like like you just said, that, that little bit you just said, how do I light this guy up without basically putting him on blast and putting him on defensive and turning it into a giant shit show? And that really is an art that you've, uh, as an observer sitting back and watching search culture, you've done a very good job of. And I want to I really do want to compliment you on that. I appreciate it. Kyle, but uh, well, we're gonna go into that a little bit. It's like that's a big deal because uh, someone posted out there, like you know, if you're gonna have a website that states shit or whatever, it's like it's really nice to know who runs it and like put your name to it. The problem is, is it just like my bio? Is it like I don't want people to necessarily see my name? And I write something on search culture. So I'm the only one that posts on search culture. Like Brian Olson did like five years ago, but he hasn't done anything since. So I'm hundred percent that, but I'll comment as me because I want to know, I want them to know that who they're having a discussion with. Right. And they're going to probably Twitter paint me and click on me and go, who's this dipshit? And he goes, Oh, he loves Christmas. By the way, happy Christmas season. Um, So they're going (laughs) to look me up and then they're going to be like, Oh, okay, well, who's his friends and all you know all the bullshit. So I don't want that. I would, and that's okay with the commenting, but because uh, I want to be held accountable. But I keep the search culture shit because it says search in it, and it's a culture. And I have I, I want to be able to post shit like that. That um, I, I make very bold statements. I'm not afraid of making bold statements. I don't care. I believe in the, the statements I make. Um, there's definitely some salty dogs that, uh, are probably very highly respected that don't, uh, agree with me all the time and that's okay, but we can have a discussion, you know? And, um, like you're saying, like how to interact with people is that, you know what, when I can't and, uh, I try to, I've tried to go back and forth and I try to really like, okay, let's explain this. Here's the why, here's the scenario we're doing this is that when I cannot, um, I usually throw my phone number there and, uh, I'll be like, Hey, all right, we're not getting anywhere. Give me a call. Here's my phone number. Right and on. I'll tell you, 
a hundred percent of the time that they've actually called me. So there's one guy that I'm I'm playing phone tag with and whatnot, but like hundred percent of the time, um, we come away and like, oh, all right, now I get it, I understand because it's a full conversation and right instead <laughs> of the whole shit, I, I don't I don't do it on a computer, I do it on my phone, and then I'm like, dude, fuck, I gotta I gotta I gotta do some shit in my life. I can't just sit on this damn thing. Right. So, um, but you got to be respectful. It's just like the firehouse, dude. If you're not respectful on that shit, um, no one's going to listen to you. And if you can't reason why you do things, no one should listen to you. I love it. I love it. Kyle Thawn wants to know, Justin, my man, could you talk about the issues that come with on-scene officers and even dispatchers emphasizing reported vacant or reports of everyone out at fires we hear it so often at my agency and we need to sort out a way to remove how do you handle reported all victims out vacant structure etc yeah we definitely have a different an issue here is that let's start with is there an issue and i would say that if uh you know like the data changes like because it's such a small it's like around three to four percent ish but if we have uh We'll say it's 4% uh, of, of uh, what? Shit. We have 3,200 deaths. We'll just call it 3,000 deaths a year. So what's 4% of uh, fucking 3,000? What is that, 120? 120. Okay. So 120 yes. deaths in residential structure fires a year are reported everybody's out. So at least let's put that stat over here so we know that stat. Okay. Okay. But then also the problem is like, and, and then also um, know that most fire department, like USFA, FEMA, shit like that, NIOSH, all those numbers um, are voluntary numbers, is that they're not typically complete. So as like the USFA numbers for um, people that have died inside of a residential structure, they don't know all the people. But also, only of the number of people that they collect for death they only know 27% of that percentage. They know the location. So when they say that they found them in a bedroom and they died, that's only 27% of the numbers that they've actually collected. So it's very important to understand what how what data, probabilities, statistics. It's a fucking mess. And when people start putting out numbers like they used to, you know, you remember when you probably started and they're going in and saying like, 100 line of duty deaths, 100 line of duty deaths. <laughs> Every year, yeah. Killed a hundred a year, but until like what I remember was like you know Bill Carey two thousand eight, and like that's ish because like there's some better numbers starting about two thousand eight. Like he starts breaking shit down, and it's like hey, in two thousand seventeen we had one line of duty death inside of a burning structure. That guy, I was a firefighter in San Antonio in a commercial structure performing mm-hmm. search. Um, so breaking that down, um, I gotta think for a second where I was going with this. Line of duty deaths. Yep. Bill Carey, data not drama. Yeah, but what, I'll get what you back Kyle's on track. Question? Before that, what was Kyle's original question? Oh, we are, I already deleted it, so one of us has to remember. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, it was about reports of everybody out. Yes. So, um, so 120 people. But the thing is, is that right now the firefighter rescue survey is voluntary. A huge majority of firemen don't even know what it is. A majority of firefighters that are plugged into the game, the top whatever percent you want to pick, don't even know what the firefighter rescue survey is. Mm. So what kind of numbers are we even collecting? 
Right. You got three grand over the last handful of years. How, we have no idea the potential of how many people we're actually rescuing. So, you think and I don't want to. I don't want to downplay it. I don't want to downplay it because it is the best thing we got going on. Yeah, I, I mean, realistically, yes. I think that we could be rescuing up to uh, who knows. I mean, it's just a guess. It doesn't even but matter. But we can both agree that it's wildly underreported. Oh, wildly, wildly. wildly yes. Okay. So, let's just say it's ten thousand with deaths, right? Completely. So rescues and deaths. Because if you start looking at like when Brian Brush started breaking down just in the news. Yes, and I'll the tell Google you what, searches, yeah. Uh, I push a lot of information out, and I've been on fires with bordering agencies that uh, they don't report their shit. Like, you can't even Google it. You can't find a death anywhere. So there's a lot of stuff that's not even out there, um, or the rescue. So um, let's just say 10,000. So it's 4% of 10,000. So we have 400 people a year that we are rescuing. That's, that is reported, everybody's out. So right there, you got to take that, and that's the importance. So right, so do we have a problem? Yes, we have 400 people a year either dying or being rescued inside of a single family or a, a residential structure fire. Right. So we have a, we have a problem. So how do we address it? Well, how many? And then people are starting to say like how, like firefighters die, and in, in, uh, there's a couple different things. Is that the fear is is that people are dying during search. And people searching for people that are uh, that are uh, a known victim. I don't fuck that known thing. The known thing is only if you see them and hear them in my head. But that's a different. That's a whole different other hour. Another bullet point. So, yes, that's a whole bullet point. So, <laughs> um, is that they're reported? Is that like, oh, people are dangerous when they do this. They're very aggressive. And then um, I had it with my own chief some years ago. Different administration is that like, um, we were at firemanship conference. I think the first one. Not the first one, the second one, because the first one didn't have hot class. And then one of the chiefs goes, you know, said something about aggressive and stuff like that. And they're like, I'm like, what's that? What do you mean? They're like, well, we don't like that. I'm like, what don't you like the word? I'm like, I don't use the word anyways. But they're like, why don't you like the word aggressive? He goes, well, that's like going against command. I'm like, ah, light goes on. I'm like, ah, when the, some of the chiefs think that we use the word aggressive, like fire, be aggressive fire attack, aggressive firefighter, whatever you want to call it. Um, they think that you just make decisions on your own against the grain. So um, anyway, so it's really interesting. So it's looking at that verbiage. Um, fuck, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. That's, what, <laughs> it's all right. That's what the scrap's about is rabbit holes. Oh, dude, yeah. I, yeah. So anyway, so the importance of just uh, everybody is out, right? I don't want to get on that rabbit hole anymore because I wanted to answer Kyle's number. Is that everybody is out? Let's get called 400. And so, um, what would we do? So, what our department did, we looked at that data. <coughs> we looked at um, what does it do? It doesn't change if, if someone says someone's out and versus we don't have reports at all. Um, is it how should it change and why? Like, and realistically, if every instant you just instance or emergency, you just put your own family and your own house in there, what would you do? Right. Would you walk through fire? No. You're not going to go through a window and go through a, a window of fire because uh, it's not what's best for my daughters. It's not. I'm going to probably grab a line. I'm probably go through the front door. I'm going to find another way in. I'm doing what's best for them, just like before. So the reports of no one inside should not change what we do. So what we do with our academy from day one, I tell them, hey, you get a report, 
It's just like the pizza man saying that I, uh, I, I just took it down. It doesn't matter. It has no validity. You don't tell it to your officer. You don't tell it over the radio. But what you do do is you acknowledge them so that they don't talk anymore and they don't speak up anymore about everybody's out. Now, with dispatch saying it, nothing we're going to do about that right now because we're part of a consortium and we can't control it all. Uh, our just department has a mindset. So uh, we look at the line of duty deaths for because uh, people say that people die inside of vacants is that uh, I can tell you that the number, uh, gosh, dang it. Cause I, I'm, I'm still running some data on like 2022, but like the data has been zero firefighters have died searching a residential structure that was vacant or boarded up. Reported. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Reported, you know, it was boarded. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Okay. But we've also had, um, for line of duty deaths since like around 2008 ish till now, ish, I, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but if I ran my own numbers, so I run my own numbers. So when I throw out numbers on search culture, this isn't FEMA, this isn't USFA. I look up their numbers. I go, I go into NIOSH. I read the reports and I make a decision if it's their search, if they're fire attack, um, if they're a lot of them are writ or not a lot. That's a, that's a made up. That's a emotion. Some of them are writ. They're just, don't fit my picture and so i'm like nope so there's been let's say there's been whatever 18 since 2008 that have died inside of line of duty death and uh, for search in a residential structure or altogether. and so people are like oh it's dangerous but i'd be like well 53 civilians have been saved in those 18 in- uh, those with those 18 line of duty those same in- 18 incidents yeah, yeah. So, so almost three to one Woof. Yeah. So that's what you do, Kyle. I mean, I don't know. Uh, what's Kyle Thawne following up with? What's the McWilliams, in quotation mark, the McWilliams crew playbook for primary search, first truck, tool assignments, etc. I don't know what trucks do. <laughs> All right. So first two truck, uh, <laughs> we'll just call it for us. So we're the rescue and all whatnot. Is if we're going all in for search, um, we split two and two, so you know, like, uh, so split two and two. Uh, if you have a truck, it depends on if you have a TDA or not TDA. If you have a TDA, you you, you got to split wheels in my mind because they're going to be both of them going to be slower with their packs. So you pair those together so the two other dogs, like the officer and the cab right. uh, firefighter, can get off and just start getting inside. So, but if you don't, then it's a different story. Um, ladders come to the structure. I don't like for our rig. We don't get to see the structure before we arrive usually because we we're a heavy rescue. We have to park out of the way because we don't have hose. And we have ladders, but we grab we have one ladder too. So we grab ladders, bring them to the structure. If it's a one story, we throw them to the roof. If it's not, we throw them to windows. Uh, I take a halligan and a hook. That's it. And I book it there. I try to get two three sides as the officer so that I can I know where we're going to target search. I try to look for fire. Uh, and I make decisions before my company arrives as they're bringing more gear up, like the ladders. Um, the firefighter with me or the driver with me, it depends on that day, what's going on. Um, bring a set of irons, um, maybe a chainsaw, drop it in the front yard. And then um, the other firefighters probably bring a piss can and a ladder, hook, halligan, and we make decisions from there. Like right, right. we bring a lot of shit when we come forward, uh, usually a couple saws. But uh, everybody gets a halligan. In, my, uh, in our house, 
And when I usually typically, when I work with the trucks and stuff, is that everybody inside gets a halogen. That way we can force doors. Uh, we can use it as a step. So, there you have it. Oh, beautiful answer. Beautiful answer. Justin, this comes from Kyle Romagus again. Uh, where do you think most apartments are in relation to their search culture? And other than the steps you guys have taken with the rescue survey and the search culture page, what steps do you think can be taken to develop a better search culture nationwide? Um, so I remember the, sec- for the second question. What was the first question? Um, where do you think most people are in relation to oh, search culture? Dude. Nah, they're nowhere. Yeah. I think they're almost nowhere. Um, I know some very large departments, but I'm talking pretty large metropolitan departments that are don't have one at all. Right. And so I, I'm, it's just a guess. Is it? It's just more of it's getting better, and we're winning. Um, but there's still a lot of uh, you know the majority of America is protected by volunteer departments, and a lot of those are pretty rural. And for them to get outside training is and outside influence is going to be hard. So, so we go to your second one is that uh, besides other shit. How are we going to influence and change this culture? And, um, dude, it's not, it's not, I don't want to use that word. Um, it's not being a wussy. How about that? We need firefighters that are going to be here. We need fire chiefs, ops chiefs, assistant chiefs, captains and battalion chiefs and firemen that are ready to step up and, uh, take, take on, take on the industry. Is it, we can't have uh, we can't have you uh, pussy footing around and saying okay to these guys. Uh, these textbooks in general. So like these textbooks are bullshit. Stop using them. Stop using ifsta, ifsac, um, and and look. I mean, and the problem is, is like you have the uh, IFC and shit like that supporting these books, and like you know they got their logos on them. So someone's making money somewhere, or, or there's no way a fire chief would allow that kind of shit. Like, I don't understand it. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Stop supporting them. Stop buying them. Make our, we have to make our own and make it free. And that way that money doesn't, um, realistically, if we have enough of us supporting it, it doesn't take away too much from our family. And it's always evolving. And it's, if it's always free and online, then we can, um, then we can, uh, we, we can't ensure that it doesn't have, um, um, a bad reasoning behind it, what's going on. Because there will always be egos and stuff like that. Sure, sure. But the, but mo- mo- the monetary up- motivation, yeah, yeah. The monetary the motive. The other problem is going to be the power. So when we start going into power, that's a big issue. So uh, I want people to credit where credit is due, but uh, I don't think like editors and chiefs or whatever the hell's going on way up here, I think it should be spread out. Like, no. Like, I think that we should vote in people that are going to run this. So let's just say that people vote in uh, Corley for running the search chapter, and then we work for him. But there's nobody above him to tell him no. Like, one, one man cannot be the powerhouse of a magazine or a book or a movie in our industry and have it come out the way that we want it. Right. Mm-hmm. Spitting facts, man. <clears throat> Jeffrey Bryant Jr. said, Come on, Kyle. I got screwed and had bananas on my damn waffles. All I want to hear is McWheelie talk about one versus two in the window, bro. Hmm. One versus two in the window. All right. Where's that fucking quote? 
Here's it. So we were talking about this the other day. We were talking about this. I, obviously, I've been hitting it again on search culture, right? And uh, I'm trying to get very specific uh, scenarios that uh, I want you to think. What would you do in this scenario? Some people will be like, you know, they continue to say it dictates and it changes and this and that. But um, is that uh, Brian, o- uh, not Brian Olson, Brian Brush last night, he put out, we just have a little group message and he says, you show me one, one man writ and I'll oblige to your one man rescue. Boom. <laughs> Brian Brush. Brian Brush, mic drop moments. Mike, that's a mic drop moment. Yeah, yeah. You want to argue that that's the best for our fucking victims is a one man rescue. Like you just talked to Phoenix after, after Brett Tarver, right? What did they do? They did all these scenarios and then they're like, how many people, how many firemen does it take to rescue a fireman? But yet we want to argue all day that like, oh, it's a known victim. And that so like since it's a known victim, we're going to send one inside and like that's appropriate. But yet on a writ, writ team, we need 16 or something. Is that to me, that's pathetic is like there's a lot of what ifs. And then with the biggest problem we have this one man rescue shit is that it's the textbook. It goes back to this bullshit we were just talking about, right? Who's making the money here? Not me. I ain't making money. You making money today, Corley? <laughs> I, I know you're not sponsor, paying me. So, yeah. <laughs> you're not paying me. So, like, we're just here doing our thing, right? Um, and so we uh, we get this one man, one window, one room rescue. So people want to argue this. And then why do they want to argue it? Is it because that's the way they were taught? Is that the way because they, they read the textbook? Is that the way? I don't care. I don't know. We got to right. figure out why why they're doing this shit. So then I just want to get people's minds moving. And so like um, I just started throwing out scenarios that we've had. So like we had a fire that uh, fire attack was going on one door. They blocked that door. I go to force the front door. It's blocked. It only opened about an inch. And so we take a picture frame window and we go in. Well, I'm not going to leave my fire like my the my driver outside as I go in a picture frame window. Like, what do I go in? Do I count out 10 paces and then come back outside and say, hey, I pretended to isolate and now we got to get out and we got to find another way in? Well, we don't have another way in. We have to use the window. Stairs are burnt out. What are you going to do? How are you going to get upstairs? If the stairs are burnt out, how are you going to go upstairs? Throw a ladder on the inside? That's what this, this is what I love. You're allowed to use, throw a ladder on the inside and go up the fucking the ladder, but you can't throw it on the outside and go up it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so you're thinking about that. And I understand that the stairs are burnt out. We have some issues going sure. on with probably some structural stability. But but besides the issue, you throw a ladder on the inside and go up it. But you can't throw it on the ladder on the outside and go up it. And you wouldn't, once you go up the ladder on the inside, you just only send one and leave one at the one at the ladder? No. Right. Like, what's what's the deal? So then we go into another one. And it's like, okay, it's a known victim. So I'm just going to do a quick pick. And I'm going to toss them to the guy that's, waiting to receive this victim right what victim are you talking about you're talking about the one you're searching for right not the one hanging out the window because that one's a known victim the one hanging out the window is a known victim and the one hanging out the window is probably not a kid unless we have two victims and they're being held out the window by their parent they're also conscious a little bit different scenarios so if we don't know, if I can't see him, we can't hear him, it's not a known victim, we go inside, we go up there, let's say it's high-vis. Well, if it's high-vis, I'm going to expect to ex- if we if extend the search, right? 
So I'm going to expect to send the search. That's why we're going to put two in the window because one's going to go to the threshold and start going beyond and start performing a search like we made entry on the other side. The other guy's going to come in and perform a search in that in that room. Let's say it's the exact fucking opposite, as in it's zero bits and it's pushing out. So Colorado Springs have this great, great video. I love it. They're a kick-ass department. And, you know, they're doing all kinds of searches and shit and make, you know, making it happen. And, like, it's one of my favorite videos because this guy, you can see his ass, but from his top up, he's hanging, you know, hanging the window before he goes in or something. I can't exactly remember. But I'm like, if that was a guy trying to guide a guy inside, you can't even see the tick. You literally cannot see here because of zero biz in that area. You're in the vent hole. So someone's like, oh, it's not technically a vent hole. Okay, if it's not technically a vent hole, then why the fuck are you guys so worried about isolating the door? Right. Like, there, there's just so many things that people start kicking in and they start making these discussions or arguments of like, hold on, you're worried about so isolation, it, but you're not worried about a vent hole. Is it just bias? Is it just the inability to have the discussion? Is it just this is what we've always done? I mean, is it all of it? Is it this ego? Is not what we've always done. We have, we have documentation <clears throat> hundreds of years ago of firemen across this world going in windows and making rescues. And the thing is, is that sometime in the history, someone put a checkbox to it. That's where we become linear. That's where we have a problem. Mm. It says you, one person, one firefighter, one room, you must isolate. So now someone added the I. I don't know why, but no one even knows where BES came from. I cannot find out so far. I, I'm so hoping that someone can tell me that the first time the BES was, was brought up. I want the definition. I want to know why people. I because I've been told a thousand different reasons. It's for porch roofs. It's for, you know, whatever. whatever no, no, no. I'm with I, you. I'm with. I remember when it first popped up around here. You know, what I'm saying I, I do remember, and I'd never heard of it before. But it's window oriented search. Are you a fan of the of the term window oriented search, or is it another term you would prefer to see used? Well, yeah. What are you What are you trying to do? Open I'm just asking. You trying to open a can of worms? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know a whole region of this. Like, if anybody's watching from this region I'm thinking of right now, they're going to blow their minds. They're going to want to kill me. But, yeah, um, dude, it's search. There's no other thing. It is search. A search is a search is a search is a search. Hmm. My department does not assign BES. As in, I'm a company officer. You assign me to search. We as a company make a decision. We do our thing, we target our areas, and we kick ass. Right. So that's one point, is that we don't get assigned to do one area from an IC that only sees part of it. I'm going to get a couple sites. The word search is a checkbox. Tell me something, like, does fire attack have a checkbox? Does searching through a door have a checkbox? How about that? Does searching through a door have a checkbox? No, no. Okay, so if you can't get through that front door like I was talking about earlier and it only opens an inch, but you can break out the window next to it and you go in, now you have to, have to do a checkbox, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, for a textbook, you do. Right. I mean, these stupid textbooks that are coming out here, quit buying these fucking textbooks. You guys are killing American firemen searching, not actually killing, but dude, you're killing our culture. Is it... It, if you read their paragraphs about BES, OBIS, they're dangerous. Don't do it. Never do it without 360. Um, it uh, just, it uh, goes against two and two out. They're lies. Those are lies. Um, we need to teach the basics of search. And that doesn't matter if I come down the chimney, like Santa's going to come here in a couple of months for my girls. If I come through a wall, so like last night, 
we had a couple alarm around a commercial and we cut a hole in the wall. It was a huge, you know, whatever, I don't know, 80 by 200. And uh, Delta side had no, no entry. So we just took a chainsaw, cut through the metal clad. And it's like, ah, oh, this is like, I feel, we feel like this is going to be a good area for us to get, like, check it out and maybe make e- uh, entry or egress. And so it's like, well, is that VS? What if I call it a door? Or is it, like, I, I don't even understand the difference, right? Is it the size I do or is it the height that I do that makes it a window or a door when I cut it out? Um, so we need to make these decisions and we need to teach the basics of search, which are, this isn't all of them, but is you size it up, you know the occupancy, you know where you're going to target search, you look at the conditions, that the conditions, and then you look at, do we know fire location or do you not know fire location? That tells you where the first, the, the priority is, are we going to locate fire or are we not? Because it's already been located. The conditions and the heat in your experience are going to help teach us how to spread out. So to also, there's no such thing as split search and oriented search for our department. We don't really talk about that, is that if you don't feel comfortable, do not search outside of your means. Do not search outside of your experience. If you don't feel good, come back. We cannot have this, um, this salty, you know, like people put these people on this pedestal. They're salty. They're, they're, they're a raw dog. They've been there. I'll tell you what. I don't want to ever be that guy. I don't want to be called salty. I don't. I want people to think that they can always come to me because I never want to delay somebody from calling a mayday or making the right decision because I'm going to call them a pussy. That is not okay. We can't have that kind of culture. So um, these searches, so once you go in these conditions, is that if I go in a front door, I'm going to isolate fire when I can. If I go in the window, I'm going to isolate fire when I can. Uh, when I... Uh, I'm going to take out the window whenever you go in a window tip, obviously. But when you go in a bedroom from the other side, I'm going to probably isolate and take out the window. I ejected. We're doing the same thing. Right. I don't go in the front door and like if they report one area of the structure where a victim is, is that I go that area and then I come back outside and go, okay, we need to find another door to enter because we already used that one up. But yet we're going to do it with this, with this window. We can only make one in, entry into one. Now, Here's a couple scenarios. Okay. One, I go in and I automatically find a child. Okay. I grab them and I toss them to the person on the ladder. They don't ever have to make entry. What if they do make entry? Okay. Well, we jump out the window pretty easily. We have video on the like in the news we can send you guys of our guys jumping out windows, in and out of windows, and rolling over on ladders and shit in seconds. <laughs> So what if we do commit, and it is a quick pick, get that guy's ass out of the window in a couple seconds, hand it off to him, he can go down, you can finish your search or not, or come back out of the window, whatever you need to do, and move on. What if we go in there and we go up to that window, ground level, or a ladder, and we take it out, and there's fire starting to roll over it, but it's still a a go for me. Okay. Hey, hold off. I'm diving in. I'm going to make some decisions. And if I got to get out, then I'm going to make get out without any communication with anybody else. I don't have to. I don't have to coordinate. I don't have to communicate because if the shit hits the fan on a go situation that's shitty, it's only me, and I just get out. So that's a one person entry, and usually I'm trying to beeline it to a door. It might get. It might be burnt off. It might be burnt down halfway, so it didn't help. I just didn't get the isolation, or maybe it's a quick pick. Whatever sure, it is. Sure, sure, sure. And it's in quick pick. Is it? 
It's not a big person. I and if I have those, you know, if it's a quick pick, as in like, I don't know. Uh, there's a report of a child, maybe, and I know their age because I've been told uh, it's my baby before, and they've been 250 pounds. I've been told <laughs> that it's my baby before, and it was a snake. Like, like you can't make assumptions these days, you know. So that's one we're going to leave one outside. Um, training does not equate to experience. And I am not telling people that you cannot teach your department if you've never made a rescue. Um, what I'm telling you is that when you believe that you can drag somebody, go into a, a window or a door, go in 20 feet, make some searches, grab a 150-pound dummy, whatever size you guys have, lock them up on whatever kind of drag you want to do, drag them across your concrete floor, and out the front door up in a window does not equate to the same size victim or an unknown victim in a hot environment that you've already thrown ladders that you've never made a rescue before or maybe you have is that you have to make decisions that are life-changing and it's carpet and now the carpet's hot it's sticking to your victim your victim's slippery their clothes are ripping and now what and now your right. bell's ringing and you're low on air i mean i can give you a thousand situations but i'm like Okay, so now you have even a 200-pound victim. You're trying to pull out in this carpet. Oh, I'm strong. Really? If that was my mom, I wouldn't do that. I would bring both of us inside. I'd make us more efficient on how to get out that stupid window because that's what everybody's focusing on. Not everybody, but that's what a lot of people are focusing on is that they're ready to receive. But it's like, well, how do we get better at exiting and entering that damn window? Make it a couple seconds, and we'll move on from this whole stupid discussion. I feel like I don't feel like I poked a bear. I feel like I poked a dragon with that one. I got, like, feel like I got the there's, fire. Discuss on that, but stuff. <laughs> uh, Josh Cooper wants to know, and dude, there's still three pages of questions. You tell. I'm just going to keep throwing stuff at you. And well, here's the deal, Corley. Is that uh, we want to keep people's attention. I really want people to keep people's attention. Uh, we can always do another one. Okay. Uh, but we kind of we kind of talked about before, dude. Like. Um, I'm really excited about uh, I haven't really listened to the end of your guys' things for your questions we don't ever have to get to that I want to do what's best for the people that are listening and for me um, I love getting put on the spot because it makes me better okay I want that shit bring it okay uh, I don't know if there's uh, if they're going to put you on the spot but I'll keep throwing the, the audience questions at you yeah can you talk about the impact of crew integrity and its importance to search? The radios, the tools, the mindset. It's one of the biggest things that my guys and myself have taken from Justin and company. Yeah, man. Um, tell you what. So last week, I don't know, last week, it was close to last week. We just had a Mayday. Um, it's a pretty serious event. We had a pretty big, we had a pretty, pretty serious event. And uh, I was riding backwards that day, so my fireman. Both my firemen and my drive, one of my firemen and my driver are now promoted today. They're both lieutenants, um, but they were riding up front for some time, and so we go to this fire. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's still under investigation. But um, talking about crew integrity, right? So the officer, my firefighter, was the officer, and that um, I just realized, like over the years as an officer, and I'm not that senior as an officer, I'm just saying over my years, is that what pisses me off the most is when I get on the radio and call for heavy rescue three, uh, 5B, they don't answer. And then I do it again and they don't answer. So what do I do? 
what would you do, Coral? I mean, I mean, realistic, what would I do? I start stomping around the the scene, uh, getting angrier and angrier. Yeah, so not me. So it depends on the situation. If it's sure, urgent, sure, it's sure, one sure. thing. Typically, it's calling them because I want to coordinate some shit. Right. So I just throw my mic, and I just do work. So that happens a lot, and it's happened a lot over the years. Well, we've been lucky, dude. Our department is a badass fire department. I no lie, dude. Like, uh, I'm really impressed with our department, uh, but we've definitely got lucky. And so, like, this last one, we had this May Day, and uh, I'm riding backwards. And just that, after that, just talking to the crew and the fire, you know, the firefighter was the officer that day, is that I was over-communicating with him as what, for a fireman's position, just because I wanted to make sure he felt comfortable. But we talked about that kind of stuff. And uh, after our AAR, quick AAR, not a real one, but we had a, another one just to make sure that everybody gets some shit off their chest. Is that that's one of the things that came out? Is that like, what are the conditions? Like, when the IC wants to know, like, hey, what are the conditions? It's not hot and smoky. That's a bullshit right. conditions. It's, hey, yep, uh, we have high heat. We have five foot visibility, but it's improving. Good. That's a better condition. Uh, the communication between crews is that so, like, two days later, we had a fatality fire. My driver now was my front right guy. He's sitting front of a fireman. We form for 360. We have fire blowing on floor one. We have reports of person trapped. It's a basement. We have fire on floor two halfway. We have walls burning, like burning through. So like this thing's been blowing. It's been, it's been a blowtorch. There's been some wind. It's out in the country. So we get out there. I do it. Uh, we do a 360. Dude, we can't push in that stuff. So we do a, like a, we start going, we're going to go through a window with two of us. Well, I just go make it, make contact with the face to face with the company officer for the day, my driver and the other firefighter, and say, "Hey, um, <clears throat> we're going to go in the window on floor one." And they're like, "All right, we're going to go. We're going to go to the basement and go behind the line." There, I mean, it was it was all involved in the basement, right? On. So the communication wise is that the biggest communication for me, and I could be taking this a hundred different ways, I guess, as I'm thinking about it, is that. Dude, you got to know where they're at. That's it. Like, I don't need to know what room they're in. I just need to know what floor they're in. Unless we're in a bigger building, then it's different. Sure. So most residential structures, dude, just like, I just want to know what story, floor you start. Because when it's good fire, shit happens. Um, now, if you're talking about communication otherwise between the company as in the interior and not on comms, now we can break it down to, is it with a victim? Like you find a victim or are you talking about for search communication? So let's just, I'm going to get rid of the victim. Let's go for search communication. So search communication is very minimal to me. Um, we go in and if we go down a hallway, Corley, you're going left. That's it. Okay. That means I'm going right. Right. And I'm taking the right rooms. You're going to the left rooms. We do our thing. If I find a victim, dude, I'm either going to yell out or maybe you can come the hallway and yell out. You'll hear something in a rep- repetitive of threes and you're going to come find me because nice. it's either a main eight or it's a victim. Um, we don't call out, dude. Oof. Nothing makes me hotter. I do not share very many people's um, videos. There's a lot of videos out there. A lot of uh, big, uh, big name, um, right? Magazines and all, everything else is putting these videos out there. They're shit. They are shit. People are. You can't come off the wall. Um, you got to keep a boot on the wall. You got to put a hand on the wall. You got to keep a hand on somebody else. Um, people are calling out and saying one, two, three, four. They're talking the whole time. They're telling them that there's a bed and like, they're going bed. I got a bed. And this guy's going, Hey, I got a dresser. I got this. I'm like, bullshit. This is training. You don't fucking know what you're touching. 
And if you don't know, if you do know what you're touching in low biz, like in low to zero biz, you're taking too damn long to search it. And then you're yelling out and now we can't hear. So what you're doing, you're doing high biz videos. You're doing these videos of people searching in high biz, pretending that they're in low to zero biz. And it's fake. It's fake news. Like you, that's not how searches go. They move, they're moving way faster. And I've guaranteed they've taken a hundred takes and uh, to make it look good. So they go right. fast and like, Dude, it's, it's very, it, it doesn't, like, you can just watch them and go, well, this is zero biz. You wouldn't know you need to do this. And then they make it so coordinated. They make it so coordinated. It's, it, it's ridiculous. It's like, no, searches are not coordinated like that, dude. They are so dynamic. I cannot, like, it takes us, I could literally take a month out of our academy to do searches in our department. And I wouldn't even touch the crust. It depends on what kind of, you know, we can get, depends on what we can get our hands on for buildings right. and shit. And so, um, Dude, fucking this shit's fake news. So we got to get over this stuff. Is I'm not saying that my shit's right. I have I have failed many a times. My my department's failed. I've failed. My crew's failed. We're learning from it. But the thing is, is that we know is that um, we're in the, we're heading in the right direction, and we do that by mentors. You know, we have lots of mentors across this nation. And so uh, these, these videos of uh, this communication orientation, dude, if people are constantly trying to tell each other what to do, we have a problem. Right. If we're touching each other and saying, who are you? We have a problem. Right. Like we, we, we need to look into that farther. So uh, communication wise needs to be very minimal um, for the search, man. Besides, hey, we're going upstairs. That means you guys are going downstairs. Or, hey, I'm going right. That means you're going left. Pretty simple. Um, but what I do do is that depending on uh, if they're newer guys, because um, I touch every newer guy that comes in our department, is that um, when they come out of a room, I'll be like, I'll be done. Like if they're walking, I'll grab them and I need them to, I want them to be on the ground. Like, hey, can you fucking see now? And I, this is how I talk. And right. I grab them and I'm very, I'm very, I'm direct with them. I'm like, is this better? Yes. Okay. Did you vent the window? Yes or no? And I'm, I'm very short. I'm very direct. And if they say no, get back in there, bent the window, isolate, go to the next room. So I'm not typically that, uh, in the hallway directing any of that shit, but I do find myself in the hallway because we cross over. We do sure. some shit. Well, sure. I'm searching as well. And so when I see things, I call it out during the search. The best training is during a real fire, and you correct it right there. And you only can correct one thing at a time. It's one of the Aaron Fields things. Dude, you tell them one good good thing that, that you want them to keep doing. You want to tell them only one of the, you took you pick the top priority of something that you want them to fix. The top Correct. priority, right? No, that's beautiful, man. All right, you ready for light? I'm doing a lightning round here. I got some. I want to. I want to try and get through. Some, <coughs> so these are short answers. Greg Redmond said, "Search with tool. If yes, what tool?" Uh, I'm taking a Halligan. Uh, but when you say search with tool, that's a whole nother worms, dude. Like <laughs> I don't sleep. Like we can literally talk like 20 minutes on this, but, um, don't search with tools in your hands unless it's, uh, high biz, high biz. You can walk around with it, uh, but still get on top of the bed. But if it's low biz, um, low to zero biz, you got to take the, like the halogen in the room so you can break out the window. Um, if it's moderate biz, leave it like, leave it in the area that you can come back to it real quick. But I'm bringing the Halligan because I can force doors and break windows. Most most doors, and I can break windows. Right, right. Brian Fiore said, 
Thoughts on search ropes and large area search tactics. Search ropes and taglines off the primary search line. Okay, so, um, dude, wow. This is... Again, we could talk for two hours. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, That's the thing about search is that, like, there's no... there's It it is so dynamic, it's not even funny, but, like, let's get real. Um, Searching large structures, disorienting, I would call them disorienting or large structures, is that if I'm going to do rope, is that uh, we don't tag into it and search off. We have one rope, and we take off of it, and we're like, hey, go what you feel comfortable pretty much and come back, and then we'll move on. Um, But... My plan would be to search from multiple points on the outside. So I'm going to become search group. There's going to be another company. Okay, hey, uh, truck four, I want you guys to hit the Alpha Bravo corner door. Search in, make contact with Heavy Rescue 5 on the interior to make sure that they connect. And then that way we know we have the width. And then now we just know that, we okay, we got to figure out the depth. And then we'd be like, okay, Truck 16, I need you guys to come to Charlie's side, mid-span. And so, like, dude, it's a huge communication thing. We're going to miss areas. Right. But like, realistically, what kind of building are you talking about? We can talk a million things. Let's talk about Costco. Everybody's been at Costco, right? Yeah, so, like, yeah. they have what? I don't even know. 24-foot ceilings. If you have zero viz on the ground in Costco, You're in some, yeah, what do you some serious mean? shit, yeah. You, you better be on the roof opening that thing up. <laughs> Yes. And you better be flowing two and a half. Like, and smooth boards, right? Like, you better be doing some shit that's searching. That's dicey. That's, I mean, you no, got, if you, you got, if you got zero visit at Costco you're, you, and you're doing a primary, yeah, that's, that's very dicey. I mean, I mean, that's no, the I thing, love, though. I love that analogy. I love it. No, it's People beautiful. People throw out a lot of the, a lot of these, um, a lot of scenarios, but the thing is, I'm like, wait, have you even thought about this? Like, you think you're going to go on a zero vis for Costco? Ooh. Like, I think I'd take a line. Screw yeah. it. Take a line, open the roof, let's go to work. My man, Von Brown, says, Justin, how dependent are you on a tick when searching versus just placing your hands on everything? Can you talk about how you implement the tick with your search? If Andy Starnes is out there watching, I need you to come to my department and come teach us. Here's the catch. We don't have any money for training. So, besides that, um, I'll tell you that in the academy, you get zero touches for the for um, the camera that I know of. We bring them. We have them. Uh, my crew, we all have a camera. But uh, I'd probably say we are under-trained on them. Um, so, like, the uh, we're, we're under-trained on them. Yeah, we can go through the different modes and stuff like that. We have, like, K55s, K45s. Uh, our engines, the firemen have, have, like, K2s. And then the officers like, a K45, so have better resolution. Um, but I'm not. Dude, we we isolate. We vent as we search. We uh, size up the structure for orientation. Um, but if I'm going into a commercial structure, I'm using the shit out of that tech. If I'm going into a residential structure... I'm going hands-on. I'm moving quick. We don't guide. We typically I, – I don't – I can't remember one fire that I've ever guided another firefighter trying to search a room. We don't do that. We split. We go search our own rooms. Uh, typically, when I use a tick, it's going to be uh, – so the media the other day, we had a collapse. Uh, I use the tick. Um, 
uh, and I'm looking for contour because like the collapse, everything's straight. And so like, uh, you know, like all the beams, you know, like the, like the, um, the roofing material and everything's going to be straight when it comes down. So actually I'm looking for my buddies inside that are like the contour of them. So that's what I'm looking for instead of heat signatures with them. Um, and I'm just doing a scan. Uh, and sometimes on a, a secondary search, I'll use a tick. Um, the problem is like you're thinking, well, wait, what are you doing a secondary on something that's low zero vis already, or you know, loaded zero vis? I'm like, well, so in our department, what I'd probably do is I'd use a tick, I'd do a secondary, but I'd let I see now. Hey, we did a secondary, uh, but uh, it's not complete because we need more ventilation before we do it appropriate. So we'll do like three searches sometimes. Uh, so to answer your question, I suck. Uh, we our whole department. Most of us didn't, do not use them. Uh, some of the engine company officers use them uh, for search because they probably default more to staying close to each other. They get the uh, the probies and uh, they got to build a relationship and they got to build relationships for fire. And I don't have that problem. I have the most senior guys in our department uh, on my rig. Well, on our rig. Yeah, that's all. Hey, that's why that's why people identify with you. It's just an honest answer, man. I love it. Uh, we are bringing Andy Starnes in to more. And I'm the, uh, about to put the tickets up for sale. There's only like uh, 15 spots per day. We're doing three days in a row for our shifts. Oh, and, sweet. Uh, but we're Very doing f- 15 spots for people outside to come in. So a quick announcement there because you brought him up, and, and I just wanted to plug it because it's uh, coming up in February. But anyway, um, <clears throat> absolutely. Okay. So this is where I kick to the point to where I start talking about books because I love books. I'm a reader. I'm a massive reader. And I want to know what Justin McWilliams – thinks about book obviously ifs does not on the list but i want to say book or books that you think firefighters should be reading Uh, number one the polar express um here's why dude okay family family comes first um man my family's been through my dude. You want to you want to know about my history of me in the fire service, dude? I have been fired as a volunteer. I have been put off on leave for a month. I have been moved off of the big rigs. I've been moved off of rigs that I had to promote to get back on those rigs. Family comes first. Friends and family. Uh, dude, I've uh, I've never had pull. Like, don't get me wrong. I read Polar Express when it came out. I've never had Polar Express given as an answer. I love the answer. Thank you, dude. F- family comes uh, first. Crazy and I love... Horse. Go ahead. Go ahead. Crazy, crazy Horse and Custer. Um, I don't. I really think that... Uh, well, one is that I'm native, and uh, I really love hearing the history of shit. And um, the thing is, is that we don't know our history. A lot of people don't know our history. And we don't know our history just like BS or BIS or window searches, um, we're going to doom to have failure and we're going to have problems. We, um, is that, uh, I think that you go back to here and you start reading it and you start understanding like what people went through. And like, if you look at this right here is that it will, it'll change your thought process on some of the, the natives, um, uh, from some of the, the big, the big crap of scout, like just say scalping and stuff. And sure. Food. Sure. They have coups. They weren't into killing each other. They were into coups. They were, and then uh, a couple of coups of a uh, 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 battle, then they'd go back and then they would, you know, if, if someone died in a battle back then between um, 
between uh, tribes, it was a big deal. One death. So check it out. Uh, so I purposely stopped, um, like Aaron Fields, uh, one, and now I regret it because I don't know if he brought what books he brought up. Right. So uh, the professor and the madman. Did he bring? I don't. That think, up? I don't think he brought it up. Okay. So the professor and the madman. Which I can't think of a more appropriate Aaron Fields title, really. Yeah. So, do you know anything about this book? No, I don't. Okay. I've, ne- I've never heard of it before. So, you know how everybody wants to have uh, the same jargon. You know how Aaron Fields is He's like, big on jargon, without a doubt. We don't have jargon. We don't have de- definitions. Right. Well, some years ago, uh, my ego got, you know, well, I was humbled. How about that? I was humbled. And what happened... I call Aaron Fields and I'm like, hey man, like people are pushing me. They want me to help make this freaking thing. You have a lot of influence. Excuse me. You have a lot of influence. Why don't we have definitions for the fire service? And he goes, hey, he goes, um, go read this book. And when you're done with it, give me a call. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I read this book. Well, what you probably wouldn't know is that. The man that made a huge majority of the Oxford English Dictionary, he's a murderer. He's insane. And he was he wrote the dictionary mostly in like the insane asylum, locked up. And um, he set the standard. And the reason why we don't have definitions right now is because when I read this book, is that this guy... What he did is that you have to find every piece of history. Let's just take the word fire, whatever, for example, and figure out where it was used first in the world, the definition of it and why, and then where it was used next in the world when it was changed and then next in the world, and then define those. And then finally, you have to come to a conclusion of like what the actual definition is. So you have a history throughout the whole, you know, centuries of defi- definitions. And so I never called Aaron back about this. About this. <laughs> Have you read? That's why he gave I you the book. I didn't call him back. I was going to waste his time. Right. No way. The best we can do, like he says, is that we can have jargon within our department and start trying to help influence from there on out. But, um, and I don't know how long ago that conversation was, but I think the internet has helped. I really do because it didn't oh, exist. Yeah. It's shrinking. It's shrinking the world. Yeah, no, I think so. I'm only halfway through that that one. The professor, the man. No, I, I'm ex- no, I'm no. I'm only halfway through uh, the Aaron Fields. Uh, gotcha uh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I, I can listen to it. In fact, I just recorded another interview with him not long ago. That's going to be on the audible version of the book, The Nine L's. So that's gonna, he's going to talk about learning, the chapter on learning. So I'm pretty excited. All right, uh, we have a thing we do. It's called the Five Questions for Firefighters. It started out as the original five questions, and then over time we asked so many times that we made the next five questions for firefighters. The answers are arbitrary and completely your opinion. The points are arbitrary and completely assigned by me and those who are watching. And so what I want to know is, Justin McWilliams, are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead with those. (laughs) What? Number one. What single characteristic makes the difference between a run-of-the-mill firefighter and a top-tier go-to badass firefighter? Uh, that one's easy for me. Um, it's actually 
my expectation list is fairly uh, strong yet short as a station captain. And it's the last one on the list because I think it's one of the most important, but it's make a fucking decision. Decisiveness? I need I need you to make a decision. Uh, if it's wrong, we'll correct it. But if you don't make a decision, um, that is that that to me right there lacks. You lack leadership. You lack character. You cannot. You're, you're you'll never be able to lead in our company if you cannot make a decision. Um, and you stall out. And if you can't make that decision and you stall out, people get hurt. People can die. People, property is lost. Uh, and people lose faith in you quick, dude. You listen to a. I mean, I can listen to a, a fire from anywhere in the world. And if somebody is not on their shit, I don't. I, I don't even have to know the guy. You know, we'll just riff them up. But like, what are you doing? Make a freaking decision. What are you doing? You know, like uh, decision making, dude. Dude, dude, dude. I I can't think of a better answer. Uh, if you know me, you know my favorite quote. I know you don't, but uh, my favorite quote in the world is Patton when he says, uh, a good decision violently executed now is better than a perfect decision made in a few minutes. And uh, or Absolutely. Yeah, 100% decisiveness, man. I love that. Max points. Uh, I, yeah, everybody's saying max, max. Absolutely. Number two, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as a rookie, what would it be? Jesus, dude. You're going deep. As a young 18-year-old, Justin McWilliams, wet behind the ears, green. Here's here's the deal, Corley, is that um, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I made a lot of mistakes in the fire service. and uh, But without those, I know this sounds corny as shit. It does. But literally without those, I would not be where I am today. And I don't think that I would have the passion where I'm at today. I don't think that I have the skill where I'm at today. Um, I don't think I'd have the support. So if I was going to go back in time, it would be, I mean, it'd be something stupid. Like I I literally have to make something up right now for like, I don't want to change it. I've gotten some rough times in my life. Sure. People have gone through way worse. I'm just talking emotional, not anything else. But, um, but realistically is, um, I mean, I, I can't. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw zero points on this. I can't give you an answer, dude. No, that's fair. I, I really think that I need to be where I'm at. I like it. No, hey, it's humility in the answer. Absolutely, it's a. Uh, it, it's congruent with everything you've said so far. It is not max points, but it is your answer. Number three, what is your favorite training drill? Um. Well, I think my favorite training drill, I mean, is um, is one that we fail at. And I know that's not the question you're asking, but um, I'll tell you, as a firefighter, I remember when I um, I remember I got punished one time and uh, I got moved houses and I'm sitting in the back seat of an engine company and we go to drill with a multi-company drill, never been to a acquired structure and the company stop and they all want to get out and size up the structure and it's you know, whatever, half block away. And my company officer's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, do you don't mind? I'm going to stay in the rig. Like, oh, we're going to go look at the rig or look at the look at the structure. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I'm like, uh, if you don't mind. And he's like, no, that's fine. The reason is, is because if I size this up and fail, what did I really fail at? 
But if I, you know, you know, because they're really going around and like going, oh, let's throw wines here, let's throw ladders here, whatever. They're looking at the building. I want to fail now in the moment like I do on a fire. I've never seen the building. I want to arrive. So when we went through this process, we arrived, and I never saw this building. So uh, what, was the, what was the question there, Corley? Uh, your favorite training drill. Yeah, so my favorite training drill is one that um, we may fail at and that we have to actually figure out that I don't know about. I love it. I really do, man, because failure is where we learn. Failure is where we learn what we can't do. Failure is where the most growth is in when we can embrace it, man. So 100% max points on number three. Number four. I, I got to think after this uh, after this interview, most people are going to go, dude, that guy brain farts, and he's got <laughs> like three squirrels up there fighting over like a half of a nut. I, I, just, I just learned to really keep good notes so I could go back and make sure. Because if there's one thing I can do, I can get distracted by a squirrel in a heartbeat. And so oh, yeah. I got to be very I should, careful. I Next time I'll write down the question and then then we'll flow a lot easier. Yeah, no, you're killing it, brother. Don't worry. What mistake have you learned the most from in your fire service career? Ego, dude. Ego. Um, uh, not checking ego, and that's just um, that's just straight up as in, uh, dude. Dealt with it is that uh, uh, assuming shit is that um, rumors and assuming stuff, and. Uh, those are those are the things that are going to definitely be the biggest. Um, are going to be like you assume something, and just because you heard something, and you don't go and uh, directly um, address it, or if the same with the rumor is uh, something that I'm actually trying to actively right now, like go go with my my station. My station is pretty good about it, but uh, I'm actually we're starting to seek out rumors. And go to the source and break them off there. Nice, nice. No, I love. I mean, ego, man. Ego is the opposite of humility, and one hundred percent, brother. It is tough. Final question: Heavy fire, searchable space. Would you rather? <laughs> it's almost a dumb question, I think, but I'm still going to ask it. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on a VES? I don't. I don't understand what that is. So I understand first on the nozzle. I, the other I thing? almost didn't want to ask this question because I know you're going to pick it apart, but go ahead. You know, what was the other thing? Like first in on what? Uh, first in on the nozzle or first in on VES. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about that second word, but that VES thing. <laughs> um, realistically, dude, um, I'd love to be first in on the nozzle, man. Really? I've done that very rarely in my career. Um, I've spent most of my time on a truck in the heavy rescue and, uh, dude, I have not fought a lot of fire on the nozzle. It's not my thing. I've been protected by those guys. I've had it roll over on me without a nozzle and other kind of shit, but, um, man, I can get on that nozzle and, uh, get a real good firefight in, especially with a new guy, get her asses kicked. I think that'd be, uh, I think that'd be a good time. <laughs> uh, smoothbore cartel said, my man, all caps, Matt Donnie said dead to me. <laughs> Matt, there's, Johnny, uh, there's two responses Nick, right there dude i love them oh both yeah, those two uh no put nick ladine said no points uh <laughs> no brother 100 percent. i was surprised by your answer i really am man the great 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 answers and there you have it i'll give max points on number five just because the honesty of the answer and, and there was a lot of honesty in those <laughs> excuse me a lot of honesty in those answers and 
that is the five questions, the next five questions for firefighters, according to Justin McWilliams. And that officially makes it 164 scraps in the books. My brother, Justin McWilliams, how can people get a hold of you if they want more information, get in touch with you, book a class, etc.? Well, I'll tell you what. Don't text me. Stop texting. I just deleted 800 unchecked text messages the other day and all my whole my whole book. I was done with it. Don't text me. Um, call me. Dude, FaceTiming number, like face-to-face, so fly over here, come talk to me. Pay for me to come and see you. Like at least pay for my flight and my wife can come or someone hang out in the sunny area. Uh, FaceTime me, call me. If it's a quick question that I can answer, you can text me. But, dude, if I have to think about it, or if it's long, I'm not texting you back. And I won't even check it. Uh, email, same thing. I am in a day with a lot of shit. Uh, we got a couple classes coming up, like the Phoenix one. It's actually going to be with my fire chief and I. Um, fire Chief Nick Brown. So if you guys do come to that, don't expect it to be the normal search crap. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a culture and how to build it, and uh, it's gonna be between the line and with the fire chief himself. It sounds awesome! Sounds awesome. So my phone number is 503-729-2734. And if you don't like what I have to say, FaceTime me. 503-729-2734. There you go, man. Brother, I appreciate it. Everybody else, housekeeping time. Firehousevigilance.com. Go there if you want to be a part of the vigilantes. We go live once a month. We discuss books. We discuss podcasts. We have a lot of fun. We are currently designing a coin for the vigilantes. Uh, it, it is it is a really good time. If you want to be a part of it, go to firehousevigilance.com. Uh, scraps. Killer lineup continuing. Man, I don't even... Uh, where, where am I at? I don't have my, my thing pulled up. So... Yeah, I won't even try. <coughs> Killer lineup continues for 2022. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, please go rate the podcast. Give it five stars. If you give the podcast five stars, take a screenshot of it, whatever you got to do. Email me, message me on Facebook, whatever. Send it to me. I'll send you a sticker pack. I bribe people for five-star ratings, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. Also, the Nine Nails book, it's out. The boxes, in fact, it was supposed to arrive before, around 930, which is about 30 minutes ago. The boxes of books are arriving, so I'll be shipping out everybody that's been ordering over the last week or so. You should start getting your books in the mail over the next couple days. Uh, very excited for that. I'll be signing those. Uh, please go to Amazon and rate the book. The 9Ls, uh, key concepts to impact or building a high-performance culture. Uh, I think that's everything I got to hype. Uh, love the sponsors, Affordable Drill Towers, Key Hose. Uh, the Phoenix Fire Symposium and FDRover.com. My brother, Kyle Romagus, the Smoothbore Cartel himself, uh, always curating your questions. And as always, what makes the scrap so special is the firefighters who continue to come in here, ask unbelievably good questions, and give great feedback, man. And I'm going to tell you, Justin, thank you for your evening because this was one hell of a scrap. Thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Like my wife's sitting here right now. She's got a piece of wine. They just came back from volleyball. Dude, my my kids and my my wife are as in it just about as much as I am. Not as, that's awesome. Not as much as Don, fucking Donnie's wife. Right. <laughs> They're in it. She's Cece's in it deeper than I. <laughs> my wife. Deep enough, man. I love it, brother. Go enjoy Polar Express. 
family it. time family time thank absolutely Th- hey thank you for your evening audience uh i love you all as always mutts don't scrap i hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning everybody stay safe out there thanks for listening to the weekly scrap please subscribe and please share we'll see you at the next episode